0: When I was a kid, around 12 or 13 years old, I had a newspaper route. Six days a week, I delivered the Richmond Register to about 200 or so homes in our neighborhood. It was a commitment for a kid at that age. I knew that at every afternoon around three o'clock, a truck was gonna pull up in front of the house and drop off a few bundles of newspapers. and. Then I'd set about putting them in my side bag, you know, getting them all situated and everything, putting them in plastic bags if it was rainy or snowy or anything like that. And then I'd start the two or three hour process of delivering all those newspapers. The weather didn't matter. How I felt didn't matter. If there were other things that I wanted to do, it didn't matter. What did matter was that Those folks who paid for those newspapers got them. I had some really wonderful, wonderful customers, and there were a few who, no matter what I did, uh, they just weren't going to be satisfied. Uh, There are those people in the world. Mr. Rodas was one of those. He usually wasn't home when I dropped off the newspaper, but when he was, you could pretty much count on getting some sort of a complaint from him. If the paper was even the tiniest, little bit damp, he'd swear that it was soaked and unreadable. If it arrived more than a handful of minutes late, he thought later than he thought it should, he'd yell at me and tell me that he was going to call my boss and complain. Every now and again, he'd threaten not to pay his bill, and that was a pretty big deal because that meant that it was going to come out of my pocket if he didn't pay for his newspaper honestly, it never bothered me at all because Mrs. Rodas was the one who paid for it anyway. Uh, And she usually gave me a little bit of extra money (laughs) for putting up with her always bitter husband. I liked Mrs. Rodas. I really liked her. I don't know how old Mr. Griggs was, but I know that he was way up in years and he had this really long, long driveway, which meant that it was quite a few steps for him to get from his house down to the paper box on the side of the road. I knew it was hard for him, especially in bad weather, uh, to get all the way down there. So often, uh, I would take the extra time to make the trip up that long driveway myself. I knew he lived in the back part of the house on the back room, so I generally would go around the house, and I would leave the newspaper between the doors uh, on his back porch. He was a wonderfully kind older man, and I liked Mr. Griggs very much. One of my favorite people on my newspaper route was Mrs. DeZarn. I was a little kid, but I still felt tall standing next to uh, Mrs. Desarn. She had to be, good Lord, she had to be at least 100 years old, it seemed like, back then. And last I heard, she was still alive, so she's 200 now. Um, she was a retired school teacher who was uh, often called to come in and substitute when I was in elementary school. And as tiny as she was, Mrs. Desarn, somehow never lost control of the room like a lot of substitute teachers do. She always carried around this really big book that had some of the best stories in the world in it. She'd always say at the beginning of class when all the class would gather in there and we'd get in our seats, she'd say, now if you pay attention and you get your work done, I'll read a story from the book. We would pay attention. And we did get our work done and then we'd get lost in one of those incredible stories from that big book of stories that she carried around. I liked Mrs. Desarn very much. There was a lady on my route, on my newspaper route who had a very, very heavy German accent and she scared the living daylights out of me Every time I'd get around her, I would just felt like I would melt like putty. She spoke very directly and she came across as very curt and very frank. And I think it's mainly just because she didn't know a whole lot of English well enough to make small talk. As direct and scary as she was, every year at Christmas time, she would give me some of the best. Homemade chocolate fudge I'd ever had in my life. I liked that German lady <laughs> very much. I liked most of the people on my newspaper route. The majority of them were mostly unremarkable people, families and older couples, some school teachers, a policeman, a school bus driver, a preacher. Lots of housewives and lots of folks who just worked nine to five in factories and at the hospital and other common jobs. Mostly unremarkable people, but you know, I liked them. I liked them a lot. I also liked Mr. Tibbs. I don't know what Mr. Tibbs did for a living, but it seemed like he was always home. He looked like he was probably in maybe his late fifties or early sixties, and he was always very, very nice to me, and he never ever complained about anything, even when his paper was legitimately wet and hard to read. He never complained about anything. I'll never forget the day that I knocked on his door to deliver his paper and to collect his subscription money. He answered and he invited me in out of the cold while he grabbed his wallet. I stepped in and saw the Confederate flag and the pictures on his wall of people in robes and hoods. I saw a swastika and other KKK things laying around. I was a kid. I didn't know a lot about these types of things. But I knew enough to know that Mr. Tibbs was not at all the person I thought he was. Just a minute or so, he brought me the money and even gave me a little extra as a tip. He patted me on the head, thanked me for being a good and reliable paper boy, and I left. It was about 10 minutes and three houses later that I broke down and started to cry. I wanted to, I really really wanted to, but I couldn't like Mr. Tibbs anymore. We all know that it's really easy to like likable people. It's easy to like people who treat you well, give you really good chocolate fudge at Christmas time. It's easy to like people who give you every reason in the world not to. So looking at our scripture, you know there's so much to learn from the story of Jesus' interaction with His disciples in these moments, especially in this moment before He was taken into custody. Every Sunday morning, we recount some of this story as we gather around our communion table. The account that we read just a handful of minutes ago was from the 13th chapter of John. And it tells us that Jesus knew that He was about to be crucified. But before the authorities would do that to Him, the men and the women who'd been closest to Him relied on Him, esteemed Him, trusted His leadership, and believed His teachings and counted on His direction, those same people would turn their backs on Him. Some would even betray Him. In that room... That night, sitting at the table right next to Jesus were people with selfish agendas and self-centered plans and egocentric schemes. And Jesus knew all about them. So, what did He do about it? Not a dang thing. Nothing. He did nothing. He didn't rebuke them. He didn't lecture them. He didn't call them out or accuse them of being hypocrites or cowards. He didn't even claim to be superior. What did Jesus do? He washed their feet. Why does He keep doing that? Wouldn't it be great sometime to open the Bible and find a scripture where it says, Jesus went off on them. He, 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 con- he, he commanded trees to fall on them and break their legs. He commanded roofs to fall in on them and smother them. Wouldn't it be great to see Jesus get really mad at these people and show them some kind of anger? Wouldn't you love to open it up and just see where Jesus found these arrogant, self-promoting so-called disciples and looked them in the face and told them that they weren't fit to walk in His shadow? He said that to some folks, the religious folks, but not to his followers. He didn't do that. As a matter of fact, he did the exact opposite. To the very same people he should have shut down at the first sign of greed, to the ones who would bolt at the very first sign of trouble when he was in danger, what did Jesus do? He bowed himself. He removes his outer garment, he wraps himself in a towel, and he takes their feet in his hands. He lovingly caresses them, he sponges them with care, and he wipes them dry. In the simplest of terms, Jesus shows them that he likes them very much. Can I confess something to you? There are days and times that I wouldn't blame you if you didn't like me at all. There are times that I don't like myself very much. I lose patience with myself. I get angry with myself. I'm disappointed with myself. Sometimes I just feel ugly. There are days and times that I don't feel very likable. And sometimes in those moments, I just know that no one else can like me either. There are times that I think even God can't like me. Maybe that's because, and maybe some of you might feel that way, because we were brought up believing that God is love, that God is big and beautiful. But we've also been brought up to believe that God is flaky and finicky and that God's love is very, very unconditional. Maybe it's because we've been told in sermons and songs that we're undeserving, and as one old hymn says, that we really are nothing more than a worm. Maybe it's because the faith that we knew as a child and young adults was more dependent on our behavior than God's ability to love us through our unloveliness. So... How about that video we just saw mr rogers introduces us to his friend jeff we got to see him sing together what a beautiful tender moment jeffrey was only 10 years old when he stopped in to visit mr rogers neighborhood that six minute conversation back in 1981 was completely unscripted because Fred Rogers wanted the moment to be authentic. And it was, wasn't it? Very much so. It was sometime after his appearance on the show that someone asked Jeff how long it took them to record that six minutes of TV. And Jeff said, six minutes. No doubt, Jeff had experienced a lot of love at home. His parents and his sister certainly covered him in love. He said that much. But later on in interviews, he talked of days when he felt trapped in an unlovable body. In those moments, he said, he would think back and remember that day in Mr. Rogers' front yard. About 20 years after that moment, that day in Mr. Rogers' front yard, Fred Rogers was inducted into the Television Hall of Fame, and wow, it was a beautiful moment.
1: Please welcome Jeffrey Erlinger.
2: I'm glad Thank you. Oh, thank you for coming. Nice weather. Oh, I mean, uh, what it? it's a surprise! I love this. It's an honor to be here tonight to be part of your proud mom. This proud moment, you know, when when you tell people that it's you, I it's you I like. We know that you really mean it. And tonight, I want to let you know that on behalf of millions of children and grown-ups, it is you that I like. I say my Absolutely. Okay.
1: Well.
2: Yeah. To Jeff Erlinger and all of the uh, all of the wonderful neighbors who have grown up with our neighborhood. This this was of course completely unexpected and what a what a wonderful gift and I thank the Academy for allowing this to happen uh, Jeff and I haven't been together for a while we met when he was I think four years old five such good neighbors well this is what I wanted to tell you before I knew that I'd have this great gift tonight fame is a four-letter word. And like tape or Zoom or face or pain or life or love, what ultimately matters is what we do with it. I feel that those of us in television are chosen to be servants. It doesn't matter what our particular job we are chosen to help meet the deeper needs of those who watch and listen, day and night. The conductor of the orchestra at the Hollywood Bowl grew up in a family that had little interest in music, but he often tells people he found his early inspiration from the fine musicians on television. Last month, a 13-year-old boy abducted an eight-year-old girl, and when people ask him why, he said he learned about it on TV. Something different to try, he said. Life's cheap. What does it matter? Well, life isn't cheap. It's the greatest mystery of any millennium, and television needs to do all it can to broadcast that. To show and tell what the good in life is all about, but how do we make goodness attractive? By doing whatever we can to bring courage to those whose lives move near our own, by treating our neighbor at least as well as we treat ourselves, and allowing that to inform everything that we produce. Who in your life has been such a servant to you? Who has helped you love the good that grows within you? Let's just take ten seconds to think of some of those people who have loved us and wanted what was best for us in life. Those who have encouraged us to become who we are tonight. Just 10 seconds of silence. I'll watch the time. No matter where they are, either here or in heaven, Imagine how pleased those people must be to know that you thought of them right now. We all have only one life to live on Earth, and through television we have the choice of encouraging others to demean this life or to cherish it in creative, imaginative ways. On behalf of all of us at Family Communications and the Public Broadcasting Service, I thank you for all the good that you do in this unique enterprise and for wanting our neighborhood to be a part of the celebration tonight. Thank you very much.
1: It's you I like, it's not the clothes you wear, it's not the way you do your hair, but it's you I like, the way you are right now, the way down deep inside you, not the things that hide you, not your things, they're just beside you. It's you I like, every part of you. Your skin, your eyes, your feelings, whether old or new. I hope that you'll remember even when you're feeling blue. It's you I like. It's you yourself. It's you.
0: Imagine if Jesus were singing this song. And he looked deep into your eyes and deep into your heart and deep into your mind and knows you as well as anyone could. And he said, It's you. Thanks for joining us for the Bluegrass United Church of Christ podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 500 Don Anna Drive in Lexington, Kentucky. You can find us online at bluegrasschurch.org.